is Ed Fallon, and we are bringing you those independent voices and, generally speaking, that civil dialogue across the political divide. I'm Ed Fallon, your host, and we are coming to you from the heart of America's heartland, Des Moines, Iowa. If you value what we do, we need your support. Visit the donations page on the Fallon Forum website, or if you run a small business or are with a nonprofit doing good work, consider becoming a sponsor. And uh, speaking of sponsors, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe, that's Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Gateway also has excellent catering and floral services. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Thanks also to psychiatrist Dr. David Drake. If you live in Iowa, wherever you live in Iowa, Dr. Drake can help through the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling offered on a self-pay basis. Contact David Drake, FamilyPsychiatry.com. Charles Goldman is with me today, folks. Charles, welcome to the program. It has gone. It's going all right. Hey, we got a lot, a lot to cover today. Um, later in the program, Kathy's gonna. She's got an interesting title for a topic called "Hair Today, Food Tomorrow." All Appet- right. Appetizing, eh? Is, I thought it was going to be about what to do with my green beans. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll also talk about Trump's tax returns, and they have finally been released. Does anyone care? Charles does. We'll talk about that. And because we must, we will also talk about football. Yeah, and we don't do that too often, but sure, the playoffs are coming up. What happened to Damar Hamlin is, uh, is, is of concern uh, and interesting to me. Uh, we have growing concerns about the game's inherent violence. And, of course... Tom Brady's growing status as half man, half God. So we got a few things to kick around. Uh, and of course, if I got, knew that, we would have called my brother. In. Well, <laughs> well, all right. We've also got to weigh in on the crazy fight for U.S. House Speaker, and along with that, the attempted insurrection in Brazil. But uh, first, Charles, I, I got a couple things that I want to just throw out there. Okay, so when you think of longevity, you think of maybe living to your 80s, your 90s. So the oldest woman in the U.S. just died. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bessie uh, Hendricks. She's an Iowan. Right. Uh, and um, she, by the way, she's not the only Iowan to make it to the category of oldest human being on the planet even. Uh, there was another one. What was her name? Um, Dina Manfredini, also from Iowa back in 2012. But I love what um, Bessie said. And this is a quote from the story in the Des Moines Register. She said, quote, her secret to... Well, this is what the, the, the Register said that she told them her secret to longevity was to work hard, stay away from doctors, and make sure to enjoy sweets like a delicious piece of pie or a slice of birthday cake. So, Dr. Goldman, I'm wondering about that. Is it a good <laughs> idea to stay away from doctors? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, um, for the most part, no. But I... <laughs> Well, how do you argue? How do you argue with a gal who lived to be 115? Well, it's, a, it's an anecdotal case, and okay. although it is true, it is true that the longevity of uh, people all over the world, including Americans, is uh, there's I think 600,000 now uh, people alive. Yeah, centenarians yeah. In, in in the United States, um, and that number is expected to grow even further, and more so in Iowa. Well, I don't know. I don't what, know about. Well, I don't well, know whether uh, about Iowa. Okay, so so here's some speculation that, that was in that was in the story about Bessie Hendricks. Yeah. Uh, reasons why there are more centurions in Iowa. The winters make you make you tough. <laughs> yeah. Iowa offers a lower stress lifestyle, and you can more easily get outside and connect with nature. Well, you can more easily get outside. I'm not sure what we connect with is truly nature. You anymore. mean like? Uh, I mean, this is the most altered. Of, this is the most <laughs> no, altered right, right, right. state in the United States in terms of what's outside. Yeah, anyway. Um, no, I mean, I think that that um, there's a group of people for whom medical intervention is is essentially irrelevant to their longevity. Right. I mean, you know, they, sure. they just don't get sick. Um, they don't overreact to you know. The, Temporary illness, you know, short-term illnesses, etc. But on the other hand, it's pretty clear that in, in terms of, of people's longevity, public health measures are far more important than individual interventions. Well, what so, about well, so keeping the water clean? Probably number one. Uh, better air to breathe, cleaner air to breathe. Right. Uh, well, water in, quality, we're doing pretty poor. In we, well, exactly. Yeah. But I'm saying that in, in terms of what has taken, I and mean, you know, let's let's be honest and fair. 
I mean, from the beginning of the you know 20th century till now, longevity up until recently had been increasing steadily at you know almost yeah. 15 years right. on and now average. Right, the other direction. Yeah. Right, and but much of that change was by public health measures. Okay, so enough of that. Legislation. Sure. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with legislation. Oh, going to legislate course, what to but, do. No, no, no. We're not going to legislate long de- well, you longevity. Need, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I thought, I I thought about... the Republican reaction to people living to 115 is, we need to take away those entitlements. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're, clearly, we're overdoing it. <laughs> yeah. right. No, no, no. This is about legislation about eminent domain, and specifically at the mm-hmm. Iowa level. The Iowa State House convenes this week. And, uh, you know, there was an attempt last year to restrict eminent domain being used for a private purpose. But there's a lot more pressure this year. So but that much... died in committee. Well, it passed in the House, died in the Senate. Yeah. But uh, last week, of course, we had Republican Senator Dennis Guth on this program. He's a strong, he's a farmer mm-hmm. and a strong uh, opponent of these CO2 pipelines. We also heard from uh, uh, Senator uh, Claire Selsey, who also had a very strong statement against it on the other side, Democrat. So here's the Speaker of the House, Pat Grassley, uh, which I think is a pretty weak, weak <laughs> comment. He says, quote, we're hearing from enough Iowans that I think you're going to see something on eminent domain. What that is exactly, I'm not in a position where I can tell you. Okay, you're the Speaker of the House, whatever. Mm-hmm. So right. it, it's weak, but it's kind of he's kind of committing the chamber to take some action. Mm-hmm. And so you would think, you know, Democrats should be all over this. Oh, yeah, we're going to fight for property rights or people's right to be able to not have their land condemned. This is the best we can do from Senate Minority Leader Zach Walls. And I quote, Generally speaking, the Democrats stand on the side of the responsible use of eminent domain if eminent domain is used, it has to be done responsibly, to repeat himself redundantly. Yeah. Anyway, it's pretty, pretty weak. He was, he was on NPR this morning, said basically the same, same weak thing. Yeah. Weak, I just, and Democrats wonder why they're a minority party. I mean, this is an issue they could have jumped on two years ago, been heroes, and they continue to go, just, it's just, it just mealy-mouth stuff. But anyway, we have well, other I mean, things. You, you did a lot of work with eminent domain. Oh, yeah, that was when, a big focus of mine up there. And I mean, I, I, again, the question comes down to: Are these are these pipelines truly fit the definition of public good? They do not. But now the, the problem what, is you, legally, what what what? How do we define public good? Well, for the purpose of eminent domain. I mean, I understand that previously at the Supreme Court level, that included a shopping mall was for the public good. <laughs> right. They took and the argument made on behalf of the Dakota Access Pipeline was: Well, everybody uses gasoline. So we need that oil, even though we're not tapping into that pipeline running through our fields, mm-hmm. which is probably which is a pretty weak argument too, since a big chunk of that oil is going down to refineries in Texas and heading off overseas. Right. So, as Obama boasted, we are now the world's biggest oil producer and exporter. Mm. Wow. Thanks, Barack. Anyway. <laughs> well, that's what that's one of the things that the uh, the insurgent Republicans, you know, they want to deal with is blocking any strategic reserve oil going overseas, being sold outside the United States. Yeah, and I actually don't have any trouble with that. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't either, either, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, so anyway, we'll see where that goes. But the bottom line is the legislature, the legislature's leaders are committing themselves to action. And even though the Democrats are kind of mealy-mouthed on this right now, I, well, again, there are some, some Democrats I know, like Claire Selsey, who are strong mm-hmm. supporters of taking action. So, and Republicans might actually need Democrats. I mean, Democrats are kind of a, like worthless right now at the state house. They have there's so few members they pretty much have no power. Right. But if this becomes an issue where you've got a bunch of Republicans who prefer to stand with Governor Reynolds, Governor uh, former Governor Branstead, and big money guy Bruce Rastetter, then they may need some Democrats to pass any kind of meaningful bill. And I mean how many how many landowners are standing in the way of it depends on the pipeline and on mm-hmm. the county, and it's uh, bottom line is it's a lot. It's a lot more than the, than the were opposing the Dakota Access Pipeline. But mm-hmm. hey, let's move on, Charles. We've got a bunch of ground to cover, including the uh, the insurrection, not the one on January 6, two years ago, but the one in Brazil. And I want to talk about that in the context of the very interesting fight in the U.S. House. I mean, a, a historic fight for what is normally just a a routine procedure, nominating, you know, electing a Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. And that got kind of crazy. Let's talk about that. But first, Brazil. I, I assume people know what happened in Brazil. Basically, two years and two days after the January 6th insurrection here, Brazilian supporters of Jair Bolsonaro 
launched a similar attack on the uh, the uh, Brazilian Congress. The uh, well the, uh, on the empty buildings. Well, the empty buildings. Brazil. Yeah, well, that's correct. Well, well they aren't empty anymore. Bit, They're full right. of trash and water. That's and the, true. The wind, windows were smashed out. Right, but the it was empty buildings on a Sunday, uh, a festival Sunday of some type, which was sort of the ruse under which they organized this. Yeah. Um, Yes. But, I mean, you know, Bolsonaro is clearly, I mean, objectively, he's clearly part of, uh, part of why, maybe the main reason why this happened. I mean, he said that this is before the 2022 election. He would refuse to hand over power. He said if he loses, it would be fraud. Sound familiar? He said, quote, I have three alternatives for my future, being arrested, killed, or victory. You know, my, my question is, it's pretty clear Bolsonaro influenced what happened. But what about Trump? Is Trump's role in encouraging the January 6th insurrection here part of what helped empower and inspire the, I mean, I would call them anarchists, who attempted to overthrow, well, I, I, maybe overthrow is too strong of a word, but they sure trashed the centers of government in Brasilia. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, are you suggesting some direct link to Trump on this? Um, just well, because Steve uh, Bannon and, and, and Tim and Miller, Tim, yeah, and, yeah, they, and they, they have, they, it, we, we know that they have advised Bolsonaro. You know? Steve, it was Steve Miller. It's Steve Miller. Steve Miller, sorry, yeah, yeah. and then Steve, and, and, and and Steve and Miller, right? Yeah, and, yeah, we, we know that they have advised him. That's correct. <laughs> I mean, that's that's, that's no well, secret. but I mean, but but Bannon in particular is making the rounds of all the oligarchs. You know, I mean, they're also in Austria, you know, and uh, Hungary, and so. It's a it's it's a similar playbook. Yeah. Um, you know, Bolsonaro is actually in Florida. He's actually in the hospital in Florida as of sick. Or he he's... well, he's having a, abdominal pain. He was stabbed in 2018 during the campaign. Oh. And he probably has small bowel obstructions from adhesions from that and stuff. Right. So, but anyway, I figured he'd be hanging out in Mar-a-Lago. No, he he was actually in Orlando, so he's not oh, in Mar-a-Lago. But D- Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. right. he's waiting to see what happens with the special tax district uh, under DeSantis. <laughs> right, right. But, right. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I guess in an indirect way, Trump influences this. But interestingly, the reporting from Brazil is saying that um, there's not the same enthusiasm in the general population for this sort of activity that there was in the United States. Right. That even, you know, and it, it, what's concerning here, of course, is that the police kind of look the other way. Really? Yeah. Looking at the videos, it did not look like yeah, the police it was, were looking Yeah, it was a real way. minority of police who actually stood up, and that, and they knew what was coming, and they kind of, you know, they mm-hmm. uh, escorted the buses of the eighty buses of yeah. the supporters. But they've already there. arrested what twelve hundred people. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> that, was, that was quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, a lot, a lot quicker, quicker than here. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. about nine hundred here. But here, let me ask you. This. So maybe Trump had some influence on the. The insurgents in Brazil. I think the methodology is uniform. I don't know yeah. that Trump has to well, be the one to push it. I mean, I mean, you know, the the U.S. exports a lot of things, and freedom and democracy were historically among them, and maybe now uh, the playbook for insurgency is among them. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, no, I mean, it's like, it's, this is a worldwide movement. I mean, yeah. the, the movement toward autocracies yeah. um, is a worldwide movement. Then it's not surprising the methodology is carried from one to the other. Switching gears just a little, to what extent did Trump influence the proceedings we saw in the U.S. House last week, where it took 15 votes for Kevin McCarthy to become the Speaker of the House? Well, he actually eventually said, vote for McCarthy. Yeah. You know, um, so I don't... No, I mean, I think... Eventually. Yeah, no, these... It was very clear to the Freedom Caucus, you know, with its rotating cast of characters, that nothing was going to happen unless they decided it was going to happen. Yeah. And they were they were looking to uh, get maximum benefit out and, of their and they did. Their, their pivotal I mean, I mean, position. I, I they will did. say this. I, I credit them with being with having a, a, an incredible political spine. I mean, they they well, I, I'm not condoning it, but I'm just I, I'm saying from just a purely analytical point of view, uh, they they dug in and they fought and they got a whole bunch of concessions. Right. What they fought <laughs> for is extremely vague. I mean, policy well, wise, it, it's it, it's a collection of things they're against and investigations they want as to what policy they actually want to put forward. 
there is no coherence. Sure. I mean, you're well, asking someone like Lauren Bobbert who barely could get her GED. <laughs> you know, um, she's really going to come up with some policies. You know, well, they, they were forward. they were promised votes on issues like a balanced budget amendment. They were promised to vote on term limits. They were promised to vote on a Texas border plan and right. uh, and an end to the uh, the remaining coronavirus uh, mandates and funding for any coronavirus stuff. They were yeah. promised votes on all those. That doesn't mean they'll pass. But that, that's a pretty big concession. Well, they, you know, they had McCarthy. They knew McCarthy is so greedy <laughs> to be the speaker that he would give it all away just to be the speaker, you know. Well, and then they should have pushed harder. He didn't give it all away. <laughs> well, right. I mean, you know, the bigger question would have been, you know, and this, this, there was a lot of back and forth in, in the press about this. Should the Democrats have played a hand in getting McCarthy elected but, you know, asking him or saying, this is what we want. Exactly. I mean, that that would have made sense. Right. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't like that aspect of politics, but it, it's a realistic aspect of, of the game. You, you have to try to build those coalitions. Sometimes those coalitions, in this case, it's the Freedom Caucus and the mainstream Republicans. It could have been the mainstream Republicans and the Democrats. <laughs> which right. would have been and, and they could have you know they could have basically said we're fine with McCarthy you know which they aren't because of course sure. you know as soon as January 6th was over he was talking about it as a horrible event and four days later he's performing yeah. a sex yeah. act on Trump <laughs> <laughs> so, figuratively 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 that's correct figuratively <laughs> um, and um, it, you know I think that they could have gotten Something along the lines of we're not going to have an argument about the debt ceiling. Right. That, and instead, that was right. one of the concessions that was given to the Freedom Caucus is there there would be a conversation about the debt ceiling. Right. Which um, is, is the well, dumbest. This is the dumbest thing ever. The debt ceiling is they have to vote to say they're going to pay the bills that they've already engendered. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, in the bigger scheme of things, it is a problem that you have a federal government that just keeps getting more and more in debt every year. That's a problem. Something has to be done about that. The Freedom Caucus approach is not the right way to go. But well, what's the right way to go? Let's have, a, let's have a segment later where we talk about that. That's a big conversation. Okay. But, you know, there were a couple things. Uh, for example, I thought that the, um, the concession that uh, more single-subject bills would, would be— you, you, they, they, would, they would require more single-subject bills so that members would be voting, Congress members would be voting on specific narrow issues instead of these huge pork barrel filled bills. I saw that in my, in my time at the State House in mm. Iowa. You know, actually, it's, 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 in, it's in the Iowa Constitution that a bill must constitute one subject only, and yet legislators violate that left and right. So I would say, in terms of that concession, that one's good. Yeah, and, and and interestingly, it's kind of that's kind of the flip side of the major questions doctrine coming out of mm -hmm. the Supreme Court, which is basically they saw this issue as a way to gum up the works of all the agencies by saying, well, Congress has to decide these specific questions, and when it's a major effect on our economy, mm -hmm. right? Like you know, like clean water and those sorts of things. Right. And in some sense, there you know the the Freedom Caucus is saying, yeah, that's exactly right. We should be the ones doing the technical work of single-subject bills. Single-subject bills can be much more clear as to what yeah. is the legislative. Yeah, yeah. the 72-hour window, I think that's a great idea. Like, yeah, let, maybe yeah. we should read the bills before we yeah, yeah, ask yeah, them. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> they, some of these concessions are actually good things, believe yes. it or not. But uh, I think the worst one, actually, is the uh, that these uh, Yahoo, some of them are going to get crucial seats on, uh, you know, very influential seats on the House uh, rules committee, the appropriations committee, those are really, really pivotal right. points because you know? they're going to stall. All right, because they well, determine what comes to the floor, yeah. and then of course you have Jim Jordan, who's going to run you know, uh, judiciary, and you know turn it yeah. into a reincarnation of the House on Americans Activity Committee from the fifties. <laughs> right, it'll be he'll be the new McCarthy. Pretty much, I mean, because there it's going to be Hunter Not Biden. McCarthy, no, yeah. Joseph, uh, yeah, Joseph, Joseph McCarthy, McCarthy. Right, Joseph right, right. McCarthy, yeah, Hunter Biden, and. Hillary's in. Hillary's in. We want it. We want it. Benghazi. You know, no, they, Don't forget I, Benghazi. They haven't mentioned those lately. No, it's going oh, to be Hunter Biden's computer, which, by the way, I, I know most of these people are lawyers. There's no chain of custody on that computer. 
you can never get a charge that's going to come from that computer because you are not ever going to be able to prove that that computer wasn't altered. So let me let me wrap this up with sure. one question. Do you agree or disagree with Congressman Matt Gates? I think you're the head of the Freedom Caucus, the guy who seemed to be the point one for taking McCarthy down He was the one times. who was the most likely to get punched out by, well, a, almost got by another out. Republican yeah. legislator, yeah. yes. And probably for many reasons other than Joseph's <laughs> behavior in the chamber that day. But so Gates said, quote, sometimes you have an easy takeoff and a whole lot of turbulence, like with Speaker Paul Ryan a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Here we front-loaded the turbulence, and I actually think it could result in better teamwork and a smoother flight for the 118th Congress. Agree with him or disagree with him? Um, no, I mean, it, this is just going to be chaos. It's going to be two years of chaos. It's going to be two years of nothing done, which they think is fine. I agree with you. You know. All right. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Me agreeing with you and not, and not Matt Gates. <laughs> anyway. Hey, we've got to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears and talk about something we don't talk about very often, the NFL there's some angles here we got to pursue. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. You're responsible for a lot, and it's easy to become overwhelmed, to feel helpless, even hopeless. What's not so easy is finding your way back to feeling and functioning better. Psychiatrist Dr. David Drake helps individuals and couples throughout Iowa with the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling. Dr. Drake also prescribes medication when needed and his services are offered on a self-pay basis. If you need help, don't delay. Contact Dr. Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. At a time when big corporations control most of our media, folks, uh, you know, the niche that we provide here at the Fallon Forum and other community radio radio stations, uh, that's more important than ever. So please support what we do. Go to the Fallon Forum website, uh, donate, and even better, become a monthly sponsor. Uh, speaking of sponsors, thanks to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for creatures great and small for over 30 years. Check out Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis, Owner Mark Klipsham says that no matter how you plan or renovate your project, please use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. That's Architecture by Synthesis. All right, uh, Charles Goldman with me here, folks, and uh, we're looking at the NFL. Okay, so I want to start, Charles, by, you know, Damar Damar Hamlin's uh, injury. That nearly killed him. I mean, who knows whether he'll fully recover? And that that resulted in something that we've never seen before in the NFL, a game being canceled. It may have also resulted in a... Well, games were canceled for 9-11. Oh, okay, right. For that reason. Right. Yeah, that was that. That was the only, yeah, the yep. first, only game that's ever been canceled for the reason of an injury. Thank you for the correction. But the, um, you know, the bigger question I think this is raised in people's minds is, wow, this is a pretty dangerous sport. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, it's what I focus on, just how dangerous it is. There are people who don't think football should even exist. It's so dangerous. That, that to me, is going way too far. But, um, you know, what, what do you say about it? It's, it's, you know, I mean, you and I are somewhat ambivalent about it. We, mm-hmm. we understand that it's, uh, it's an insane game in some ways. It's also kind of amazing to watch some of the skill. Uh, yeah, I mean, these are world-class athletes now playing this game right you know and well but interestingly the situation with hamlin is 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 a little bit off of some of the things that i think you you know you know i've been most concerned with which is obviously the the encephalopathy issue sure the head injuries right um and and the situation here is 
that actually what happened to Hamlin is not very common in football. If right. if we think it is from a, a blunt trauma to the chest, wasn't there some crazy talk about it being COVID related? Okay, right. But yeah. but you know, going back to what happened in his case, um, the you know the 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 initial belief was that he was he when he came down on the other player's helmet. It hit him in the chest. If you push the sternum hard enough mm-hmm. into the thoracic, you know, into the chest cavity, you can actually generate a um, small electrical current in the heart. Because initially CPR was the first thing you did with CPR was you thumped, you would sure. you would hit the chest, trying again to get a little bit of electrical charge yeah. going in the heart. If that doesn't work. Then you kiss your victim. Well, then that's right. Yeah. Um, and so. And if it hits the if it hits the the heart at a certain part of the cycle where it's vulnerable, you can go into ventricular fibrillation. That was the initial thought. Now, when I I didn't see the, the, this in real time, but when I heard about it, my thought was that um, it was probably what we've seen with other high level athletes, which is that they get sort of hypertrophic changes, they get muscle thickening changes in the heart. And um, that can make you prone to arrhythmias, you know, or you can have some underlying, you know, coronary disease, even though they're athletes and young and et cetera, or you just have a conduction system abnormality. So the yeah. last thing I would think about, having knowing the facts of this episode, would be that it was a COVID vaccination. But that there were some people spreading that. That happened almost immediately. And <laughs> this is, this is, because cardiomyopathy as a cause of, the arrhythmia, you know, that led to his cardiac arrest would not be high on my list. Um, first of all, this whole issue of cardiomyopathy, and, and, and going back to this whole thing about being hit in the chest, that actually is more likely to happen. The number one game where that happens and causes these kind of arrhythmias is baseball. I was going to guess baseball I was gonna guess golf. Baseball, yeah, right. Baseball, softball, followed by soccer. From this the, would be in, a very from the, the direct from the direct ball, trauma sure. from direct trauma. Yeah. This is actually a very rare occurrence in football, um, which is, I know it's hard to believe given yeah, like really the shots the, that yeah. these guys take. Um, but yes, yeah, almost immediately the anti-vax world lights up, and they're talking about oh, this is clearly a cardiomyopathy from the fact that they took vaccines. Ninety-five percent of the NFL is vaccinated. And so how, how did they? How did anybody draw any kind of a logical conclusion? I mean, I guess you don't need to do that. There's anymore. no logic. There's yeah, no logic. Sorry, because my bad. <laughs> this is this is where this is where this is coming from. Because yes, there there are people out there, some athletes, some former athletes like John Stockton of the Utah Jazz, some uh, you know of the usual anti-vaxxer crew, uh, the Epoch Times, which is the official house organ of the anti-vaxxers. Um, you know, so like the Epoch Times comes out and says that there is a peer-reviewed letter detailing like 700, you know, cardiac arrests since the COVID vaccination, you know. So the real story of that, first of all, the letter is not peer-reviewed. The letter appeared in a peer-reviewed, you know, journal. Okay. okay. It, you don't peer-review the letter before it's published. And what it basically derives its information from is a blog in which actually on the blog, it's not clear that any of these things are related to vaccination. Um, there was a case, uh, you know, they were circulating around, which involved a uh, referee who f- keeled over at the NCAA finals in 2021. And that was blamed on his having cardiomyopathy for vaccination. The only problem was that he got the vaccination a month after he had that episode. Okay, so, so, so this, these, these rumors started almost immediately. Imme- immediately. But they didn't go very far. I mean, you, well, it depends on where you're reading. I'm telling you, if you read the Epoch Times every day, it's all over the Epoch Times. Still, yeah, because this Are is this is later? their raison d'être. This is this is this is all part of the anti-science. It's all a scheme. They're all part of the deep state. Fauci, you know, was involved with uh, weaponizing COVID. It's it's all part of what's happening out there, you know. And mm. it was unbelievable. I, you know, because literally any physician. Other than you know the ones who are making money off being anti-vaxxers, um, would have never come to this is COVID cardiomyopathy. In fact, here here's the here's the irony: the likelihood of a cardiomyopathy from the COVID vaccination runs about maybe one in two thousand. 
right? The likelihood that you're going to get a cardiomyopathy from getting any viral infection, any major viral infection, is in the six to 10 times that range. Hmm. So by any measure statistically, you're better taking your risk, particularly if you're not a young male. Most of the cardiomyopathy from the vaccine was in young males, men who were younger than, mm. than Hamlet. He was 24. He was 24. He is 24. Right. So it was mostly adolescent males. So the point would be that just statistically, at least from this cardiomyopathy issue, you're more likely to spend the rest of your life with cardiomyopathy from COVID, and it is part of the long COVID mm. you know, syndrome, uh, than from taking the vaccination to try not to get COVID or at least not get as sick from COVID. Mm. You know, and it was just sad. I mean, it was just sad. Well, but, look, you know, I mean, how did you feel about I don't know. The problem I had was it was all about the, you know, it was all about the NFL family and we're all together in this. And, you know, I don't know. That, it, to me, that's I, all such crap. Well, that, that, that to me was encouraging. I, I, I like to see people rallying around somebody who has had, has been stricken. Well, I think the was, players, for the players, it's genuine. Because well, they're the ones. Well, why is that's it not why so many for the fans? Because the, because it's, because so much what goes on for the fans. These are the same fans who will say, well, you know, in the old days, they didn't have all these rules protecting the quarterback. That was a real man's game. I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> uh, nobody yeah. says that. Of course very, they do. Well, very few people of say that. Of course they do. I, don't you think most people uh, support the changes that have been made to further protect? I mean, we can go a lot further. I mean, some things you can't, you can't fix in football. Yeah, I mean— It's I, just going to be innately dangerous. But, I mean, I commend the NFL on at least making some changes that add some protection, that prevents some— you know, that well, here, increase the risk of... Let me ask you a question, injury. Ed. Because during practice now, they wear these foam things on top of their helmets, right? To try to reduce the repetitive trauma. You mean the Green Bay Packers, those cheddar things? Not oh, the no, cheddar, no, no. Okay, not okay, the okay, cheese right, right, wedge. Right. No, they wear, you know, they wear external thick right. padding. Why aren't they wearing those during the game? Good question. I don't know. You know, if it protects you during practice... Yeah. And maybe you think a little bit less about using your helmet as a weapon, which is what you're doing when you put your head down. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't I, – I, I, I think, unfortunately, the NFL is more like the Coliseum than anything else, you know. <laughs> Bread and circus? Well, it's – I just don't think the fans care that much. For the health of the, the – For the being... health of the people who are playing. And yeah, the toll – I, the toll... I don't know. I, I, I think the fans are better than that. Uh, <laughs> you're looking at me skeptically, but uh, you know, I, and I and I'm not. I mean, football to me, it's it's a mixed bag. You know, I, again, I there are so many better ways to get exercise, and there are so many sports that I admire more. But I, I got to admit, there is a skill set involved there that that keeps me coming back to watch highlights and think, oh wow, that was pretty impressive. Uh, no one more so than Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> And what do you want to say about Tom Brady? Well, that he's basically half man, half God. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised to see him in a Super Bowl again, even though they had a lousy record. Eight and nine, still making it to the playoffs. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, they're, they're not a very good team. I think the question well, they, they, is, does, it, does he move on to somewhere else where it's more likely to happen? You know? Um, well, they, they weren't a very good team when they beat the Chiefs uh, in a stunning uh, victory. In the, uh, well, they were a better team than this. I mean, they've, well, they've really been pretty mediocre all year. But they, don't have Gron- they don't have Gronkowski anymore. Right. But, yeah. yeah. And he's not, he's not playing. And, you know, but... Well, I mean, there, there, are th- there are those who would like to get rid of football altogether. But again, I think, to me, it's... Um, again, I, personally, there, there are sports I like much better. But, like um, what? Well, soccer. Ugh. Why do you mean bruh? <laughs> Why bruh? What's wrong? Because they don't score that many goals? Because any sport that ends a game in a shootout, in which you stand like 30 feet from the goalie and Less than fire that. away, I mean, play the game out. Well, they, they try. They, well, it's, there's, enough, there's few shots during the game as it is that ever reach the goalie. You know, play it out. Take people off the field. Do Make it like one hockey. on one. No, <laughs> you know, like every every five minutes you play, another player on each team comes off the field until oh, so you have I'm, enough room that somebody can finally so score. So it does get down to one-on-one eventually. Well, it could, but at least it'd be one-on-one. It'd you be know, that, a defender. Charles, that could catch on. You might, you might propose that to, to FIFA, you know. No, I, I love baseball. I mean, baseball is kind of, it's a gentle game. I mean, I know it can be pretty hard on some of the players sometimes, but 
terms of watching it, you know, it's just kind of a relaxing thing to do. I think I, I agree with you. It, it is difficult to not be ambivalent about football because it, it, there's a, a, definitely a beauty to the game. But knowing the cost to the players, knowing the fact that most of their careers are extraordinarily short, knowing the fact that you have kids in high school and college who will never live out a normal lifespan or a normal life mm. because of their pursuit of an amateur version of that sport, it's really difficult. I mean, I don't, you know, if you, if you had a son, you do have a son. I do. Yeah. And, he, and he played football. Yeah, see, I would never. I was never, really glad I was he was never, a second I would, I would never. I was really glad he was a second yeah, string. I would never honest. let his son play football. <laughs> but, you know, that's true. Of a game I love. I love hockey, but I'm not sure I'd let anybody hockey play hockey. Hockey is about as rough and dangerous yeah, absolutely. as football. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, every every sport has its, I mean, heck, running, you can, you can get all sorts of repetitive injuries running, you know. Um, yeah, but uh, you, I think the, 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 the danger in, in, in even a sport like soccer sure. is, is the head injury thing. Is the thing that's most hard to, you know, think about, which is that you don't know, yeah, because we don't even know what aspect. Is it one shot, one bad concussion? Is it a series of concussions in close proximity? Is it low-level trauma multiple times? We don't even know what engenders yeah. the change in your brain. Yeah, you know, and that's why a lot of people, you know, it's kind of encouraging that a lot of people have left football very early in their careers, saying, "I just can't." Can't I can't. I can't take any yeah. more chances. Yeah. You know. I mean, there. You know, a couple. A couple of, of guys who had like you know advanced degrees. You know, said enough. I mean, yeah. I want to have my brain. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and my knees. Yeah. <laughs> I one of one of my fellow lawmakers had a real struggle uh, due to his days in football. Knees were just killing him. Well, these guys. These yeah. guys live in. Yeah, they're yeah. pain. So all the time. I mean, yeah, but that all that aside, there is there there there. there Two compelling reasons to continue to watch football. And one is to see if Tom Brady can make it into his 50s and still be a viable quarterback. And two, the, uh, the Super Bowl halftime show. Anyway, those two reasons alone are enough to continue to have some interest in football. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So, hey, enough of that, folks. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When, we're gonna come, we're gonna, when, when we come back, we're going to be talking about Trump's recently released tax returns and whether that matters a hill of beans. Back in a minute. On the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Fallon Forum, Ed Fallon here with uh, Charles Goldman. Remember, you can support this alternative to the shock jocks, become a monthly donor or business sponsor, and check out the Fallon Forum website for details about that. Uh, thanks to Western Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village, uh, Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in Spanish and English. The clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Western Optometry. All right, so uh, Charles, you've been longing to see Donald Trump's tax returns for many years now, and, and finally your <laughs> dream, your dream that, has come true, and you have you've been able to examine them, or at least you know about them. I, I, well, <laughs> I, I know about them. I, I've you know looked through some of what's been written by people who actually have some knowledge of tax law and okay. you know accounting. Um, I, you know, my feeling about releasing them was that. Um, I think, in all honesty, at the level of 
the federal legislature and high-level uh, executives in our federal government that their tax returns should all be available. Okay. You know, because it can give you a window into how are people enriching themselves at our expense. Right. You yeah. know, um, yeah. and I, I think that the issue with Trump's tax returns, first of all, if you read the New York Times series, you already knew a fair amount of this, or at least what to expect. You know, and there's been, uh, uh, you know, a couple of authors who have written pretty extensively on what is known about Trump dating back into the 80s. Um, but I, I, I think, it, although this won't happen, of course, you know, we have all these people who are wealthy at the expense of the American worker, for the most part, um, who run as men or women of the people. It sounds like class warfare, Trump. It is. Well, it is class warfare because this, what Trump's tax return showed is um, a number of things. I mean, first of all, what he did in terms, he, he had, I believe, 65 over this period of time, Schedule C pass-through corporations. And that means? That means that there, that the entity doesn't make any profit, or you, if you show profits, which is what he did in a couple of cases, he showed profits, and the expenses were exactly the same as the profits. Tell me, they just make, I mean, you look at him, he was, they were making the numbers up, Okay. He should have been audited just for the fact that I think like 20 of well, the 60-something why, why, why bounced audited? out to zero. Why wasn't he audited? Well, that is a whole other <clears throat> question, mm -hmm. right? I mean, well before he ever thought he about should have been president. Correct. He, and, he was, and weirdly, he wasn't being audited, even though that was, of course, his big excuse. What a surprise, a lie. That, that's why he didn't want to show the returns. I, that's a question that should be answered. We'll never find out now because right. the Republicans have no interest in finding it out. But, you know, so he's – this is what wealthy people in this country get away with. If you tried to get away with this as an as a individual taxpayer at a lower level, small business, you know, maybe a five-figure income, you know, for a family of four, you'd never get away with what they got away with. And it doesn't generate anything productive. See, this is what, what, what Trump said afterwards is – Oh, I, I created a lot of great American jobs with that money. You know, no, he, all he did was create losses and by well, putting expenses. He, he, Trump but, does have employees, so. No, the Trump Corporation has like five employees. And he, who cleans Mar-a-Lago? What? Who cleans Mar-a-Lago? Who, who mows the grass? Fine. Who so takes, those people get paid minimum wage. But the point is. This is not this, this, most of the tax code doesn't do anything productive. That's not Trump's fault. That's our legislators' fault. Right. So what's I mean, the legislature going to do? Favor two, we favor two sorts of enterprises in the tax code: real estate entities, but not small real estate entities, only large real estate entities. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, hospitals, oil and gas interests, <laughs> and yeah, pharmaceutical entities. Right. You know. Um, you know, carry loss, carry loss interest for hedge fund managers. Well, let me ask you, you this. You know, all these things, they're not so, productive. Okay, so, they're so, just moving money around. So Trump resisted for a long time and very right. effectively uh, releasing his taxes. He yep. got away with it for a long time. What's in his taxes that explains why he wanted to avoid releasing them? Um, he paid a lot of taxes to foreign governments. So the question is, what's he doing over there? Right, he he paid a lot of taxes. To Which governments? Um, China, India, some of the Emirates, I think, were among them. Okay, so you know. are those questions answered? No, upon examining, not the, by what, not by what I would have time to look through. Yeah. I mean, because you know what I, I mean. With, with given all the clamor for Trump's tax tax returns to be released, I, I've actually been really shocked at how little coverage there has been. Of them in the mainstream media, I, hardly I any, hardly I, I, any. I agree, so and I think the the only thing that's going to come out of this <clears> is that probably New York State will go after him personally this time, not just for the Trump Organization for tax fraud, because he's clearly committed tax fraud. I mean these these sixty five Schedule C entities don't exist. How far, just, how far back with does this fraud uh, extend? Do you think? Oh, he was. He, th this is the same scam he's pulled since the nineteen mid nineteen eighties. 
where he creates these entities that don't exist. They, they, they zero out profits. And then he put, has expenses of like $600,000, 700, $700, on them. You know, and when New York State said, prove it, he couldn't. <laughs> and, he, and he went to trial twice, and he lost both times. And he, but, remember, but, he but, lost so on 17 lost, out of 17. And then what happened? He ended up having they, they to pay they, penalties. They didn't lock him up. Well, because these are these were civil trials. White, That's correct. And white collar. It's white collar crime. crime. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. There was another fascinating discussion today about the death penalty on NPR. You know, talking about uh, how third a third of the executions in the United States are botched in various ways. You know, and and they were talking about the issue of why does the death penalty remain popular? Because in spite of you know what I can't believe. 60% of the United States still believes the death penalty has value. Same reason football is so popular. Well, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. But, but, you know, I think I've told you this before. I mean, I think if we're going to have a death penalty, it should definitely be for white-collar crime, too. Because these are premeditated acts. It never acts. is. It never, never is. is. Right. It never is. And, and I think, you know, what the, to me, that's what the Trump tax returns are most importantly showed. So you're, you're, they call, showed, you're calling for the death penalty for Donald Trump? No, I'm not. What I'm saying is, is that the people who are so supportive of Donald Trump should ask the question of why are they being screwed so that people like Donald Trump so, could, you know, go ahead and do what they do. So, and, you know, what, what do the Republicans want to do first? What's the number, number one, one bill they're going to introduce? Uh, cutting 87,000 uh, right. okay. IRS workers. Right. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's examine that. Well, sorry, do you remember hard. the commercial for that during the, the campaign? Uh, vaguely. Okay. It was the men in black group, the men in black from the agents. Matrix, from the Matrix? Oh, or they, yeah. yeah, they look yeah, like they look at like the Matrix. That's good. They look at like the guys from the Matrix. We're here with Mr. sunglasses, Mr. right? With sunglasses coming out of the cornfield from Field of Dreams. Oh, right, right, right. I remember now. Sure, and yeah. and that they were going to they were going to be armed with guns, and they were going to come and take your money, right? But the point that, is that's so uh, okay, fantastical, right? So it's a commercial for something that doesn't exist. The problem that exists is two things. The IRS is understaffed, and because they're understaffed, they are completely unable to help the average taxpayer work their way through filing your taxes. Well, People complain you, all the well, time. Maybe we they can't sh- get a hold of anybody. Maybe they shouldn't be so complicated. Well, that okay. I'm not disagreeing, but what I'm saying is, is that postcard, part Charles, of that postcard. money. Yeah, part of that money is to get people in place to help people file their taxes and make sure that they're filed correctly. The second part is they're not going to hire 87,000 people to go after somebody who's making $20,000 and falsely takes the earned income credit. Right. Well, that does happen. Of course, it happens because that's a, that's an easy mark because you're not going to fight them. But if now you have more agents and people to do audits, you're gonna, you know how many what percentage of people who make over a million dollars in the United States were audited? So well, what number of audits were done for people who whose income was greater than ten million dollars? Uh, probably Last close year. to zero. Sixty six. Sixty six. Sixty six yeah. people were audited. Out of how many? Who knows? Yeah. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Okay. So, so but, but but you know it's okay so. It's a really, really hard argument to make to say, hey, I support more IRS agents. This is a really easy talking point for those who want to reduce staffing at the IRS. This is going to be a slam dunk when it comes to getting this passed. No, you say that the reason you want more agents is because the only way to get people who could bear more of a tax load is to enforce the law. Okay, so again, poll question, general public... Do you support cutting the IRS? What, 70, 80, 90% say yeah? I mean, what percentage are going to go along with that? Have Nearly the, everyone. Have the guts. So Have the guts. In, this, is, this is what you criticize the Democrats for doing. Who cares what the polls say? Have the guts sure. to be out there okay, and explain right. that the reason the Republicans are doing this is not to protect the small taxpayer, the small level, low-level taxpayer. It's to protect their rich friends. Yeah. And you and you, you think Democrats are going to do that? They should. <laughs> do you think they're going to? No, because no, of course, of course not. Because <laughs> because they are just as corporatized as the Republicans well, in many even, ways. They're even more. They're more emblematic of the status quo. I mean, you know, people <laughs> people work to create things. You know, I mean, we live in a state with a lot of farmers who are trying to create something. They're trying to. They're they're doing agriculture to create. Food, or in our case, to create gasoline, but um, you know, <laughs> ethanol for gasoline. Well, feed, <laughs> fuel, feed, and then third, food. food right. Yes. <laughs> but they're trying to at least do something substantive. 
what the majority of people do in the financialized world of our economy is nothing. They sit at a computer screen, they do shenanigans and derivatives, or they run crypto banks, you know, (laughs) and then they say, look what I'm doing. No, those people are given all the tax advantages. That's what Trump's tax return shows. That's the most important lesson. Not the fact that he's a fraud. Of course he's a fraud. But but that stop raising these people up as that they care about the people. They do not care about the people. All they care about is who's paying their bills. Okay. And, and that's true of the Democrats and the Republicans. So back to my point. Sure. Cutting, uh, the, cutting IRS staffing by 87,000 jobs, slam dunk. They're going to get it done. And so they'll get it done. What's going to happen? You think the, the Senate's going to pass that? Yeah. No. No. I, they will not. You may be right there, but uh, then it will be a bludgeon against Democrats in the next election. I mean, they used it it already. That ad was run all over the place. Yeah, and maybe that's one reason why Iowa is is, is totally red now. (laughs) Because they think people that look like they're working for men in black. Coming out of the field of dreams? I mean, it was was, was so awesome. I remember it now. You know, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, God, I mean— you know, literally, they made up a problem, and then they're passing a bill against the problem they made up for a commercial. Well, then they do that all the time. I mean, I know. Social Security is insolvent, you know. It's not. Social Security is doing okay. Well, Social know. Security is going to have to do something to, sure, but, to maintain but, but, but to, its but to, benefits. But to, to drastically address it like they want is, is, uh, is over the top. Hey, we've got to go to a break, Charles. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Oh, because you brought up Social Security. I'd love to talk about Social Security. Well, we'll have to do that. Okay. Uh, you're going to be on in a couple of weeks, I believe. Yeah, why don't we talk about Social Security? So for people who like to hear what Charles has to say, <laughs> tune in again in two weeks. If you don't like to hear what Charles has to say, the skip the show of that week. Entirely. Right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, all right. But we'll probably... Okay, anyway, that's enough of that. Hey, uh, Kathy Burns is going to join us next, folks. And she's got an interesting segment for a title that I don't know what to make of. Hair Today, Food Tomorrow. All I know is I'm not contributing to that because I'm bald. Anyway, back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Lipsham is committed to the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Mark says no matter how you plan or renovate your project, use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. A beautiful project will be revered, maintained, and valued, and is the best investment you can make for a future we all share. Learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant, Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum, where we are about to discuss, on our farm and food segment, hair today, food tomorrow. Now, before we do that, remember, you can support this alternative to the shock jocks by becoming a monthly donor, or if you own a small business or run a nonprofit, you can become a sponsor of this program. Speaking of sponsors, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe, that's Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Gateway also has an excellent catering and a floral service. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. All right, Kathy. Hair today, food tomorrow. Why am I having a hard time with this topic? This is not like <laughs> like when you're enjoying a nice piece of pie and that somebody made you and a big long hair comes out. It's not that. Oh, okay. We're, we're not just eating hair. So um, <laughs> it's about uh, some scientists who are working on some new ways to use a byproduct like hair that would otherwise be thrown out to help grow food. So it caught my interest. I don't think it's anything we'll want to do. But well, and I can't contribute because I'm pretty much bald. <laughs> 
Um, I, but I save our hair, and we'll get to okay. we'll get to um, when, when we cut hair here at home. I save it, and we'll get to the more you I, know because I know we've used it common okay. uses of it in um, in people's gardens in their yards and things. But let's talk first about this n- relatively new use for um, okay. for uh, you know for less traditional food production um, hydroponics. We are not big into hydroponics. It means growing food without soil, really. But to grow that food, and, and people have to get innovative if they don't have large swaths of soil on which to grow food. Um, but scientists from a, a university in Singapore, they've created a growth medium derived from human hair. It can be used to grow food. Um, and most specifically, it's the hair protein filament called keratin. That's extracted from the hair to create a substrate or a material surface so, uh, on which to grow an organism. So, so how do get how do they get it from hair to that product that is used in hydroponics? Um, there's a lot of technical stuff, but okay. basically, so lab, laboratory to, to extract the keratin from the hair to get the product in which to grow food requires some chemicals or some application of very extreme heat or both. Hmm. So um, although this is being touted as uh, really environmentally, not environmentally friendly, but sustainable, I do have my questions about that part of it. Yeah, I mean, hair is a, is a renewable product, at least on most people. Again, present company excluded. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you cut it, it grows back. Well, so there's right, that. it's renewable. It's renewable. But I just wonder, I wonder how... Involved the process isn't is, is it's not something an average person can do in their home. No, without that's, blowing it up. That's why the, this group of scientists is exploring ways that it can have more large scale use. Hmm. Um, perhaps though, they can create this extract in larger facilities and then provide it for the home hydroponics growers. Okay. I'm not sure. However, for people who are already doing hydroponics. You know, the, the question to me was, what's already being used for that growth medium? And the answer is rock wool. That's a product commonly rock used wool? for insulation. What if is you've, rock wool? If you've, ever, um, if you've ever gone out to buy a, a big sheet of insulation to, to Fiberglass put up on a wall. Fiberglass insulation? Um, it's, yeah, it's... That's rock wool. Natural rock is heated hmm. to about 3,000 degrees until it melts into a liquid, <laughs> kind of like cotton candy. And then spun into long fibers. Three thousand so degrees. Rock wool yeah, is would, used. That would burn bread. Or a polyurethane uh, type, type of plastic polymer, or a phenolic foam. Uh, use it's a petroleum derivative. So, um, that those are what are currently being used to do mm. some of this um, substrate that you need to grow food in a hydroponic. Uh, situation okay. and fortunately you know human hair is more sustainable than that from what I can tell but most farmers uh, urban farmers and home gardeners aren't going to be using hydroponics so I thought we could also talk about some of the more common uses uh, that people might have for thank you hair <laughs> human hair or or livestock hair uh, in yes. our yards so it's uh, known to be pretty good in compost. Before our cat died, we would brush her and have quite an abundance of hair. We did, and we multiple s- times we spread a it. Month. Yeah. We spread it around among the strawberries, trying to deter the chipmunks from getting in there. It didn't work as well as we'd hoped. So you can use it for pest control, and just absolutely do nothing with it. All the hair that you have. My my daughter actually swears by it. She says it works to keep rodents out mm. of their garden, rabbits mm-hmm. and such, from eating them. Uh, the vegetables that they're growing. But in compost, hair is considered part of the green material in a compost because it's a good source of slow-releasing nitrogen. Okay. So the hair can be good for that. However, it takes up to two years to, de- to degrade. Even in a really hot compost? Yeah, it doesn't. It didn't go into that. Huh. I, I didn't find that information. So um, it is about 15% nitrogen by volume. That's high compared to some other... Uh, products and before hair decomposes it will also though in your compost pile help retain water moisture and if you it's known to be um, good for putting in where uh, your ground where you've got some clay issues and it can help the roots kind of grab onto something to get farther down into the soil and help break up the clay 
Yeah, interesting. So yeah, and we we don't. Well, again, I'm again I'm not much of a contributor in the hair department. We uh, my we, hair we, grows really fast. Yeah, and I know. It, we, it we had a lot long. more when we had the cat. We did. We did. You know, we could ask our we next could, door neighbor for his cat hair. Could brush I mean, our, his brush cat's our rabbits. Hair. Could brush okay. our rabbits. <laughs> I think we'll let the mama groom them. Okay. Right now. <laughs> They're just babies. Um, we'll see if we can make use of the, the rabbit hair and the hide after we have that situation happening. But, but I thought it was just interesting. Um, you know, we are saving hair from haircuts now. Some people get this hair from salons. Yeah. Yeah. If you do, check that it's just washed hair because gels and sprays yeah. and things on that hair is going to sure. interfere that with, could your, be a real problem. with your yeah. um, garden integrity. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Kathy. That was a, a topic I never thought we'd address on this program. But here, there we did. Surprised me, too. Yeah, okay. Hey, folks, thanks for tuning in to today's program. And thanks to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, Charles Goldman, Kathy Burns, and myself, Ed Fallon. Thanks also to our local small business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Western Optometry, and Dr. David Drake, Family Psychiatry. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Iowa Physicians for Social Responsibility, Bold Iowa, and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Remember, your support for this program matters a lot, so go to the Fallon Forum website to learn more about how you can make a difference. Thanks again, and we will be back next week with another hour of cutting-edge talk radio.